This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome to Mind Your Head, a space for people to share their stories, talk openly and honestly about their own mental health challenges, and to give listeners some comfort in knowing you're not alone. My aim is to give people the courage and confidence to have difficult and vulnerable conversations with loved ones, to better understand each other and to improve their own mental health. It's not easy and it never will be, but conversations change mindsets. My first guest is my good mate Chris Look. In this episode we talk about childhood trauma, love, heartbreak, family, forgiveness and all things mental health. Hope you enjoy. Chris, look. Elliot, Hagen. <laughs> Welcome to Mind Your Head. Thanks for coming along. Thanks, mate. Thanks I, for having me. It's all right. I think it's uh, worth mentioning that you are the very first guest on the podcast. So, Mate, I'm absolutely honoured. I'm honoured to have you on. Thank you very much. And I thought about where the best place for us to start, and you, like me, like many others listening, that the people that we are today is a result of some of the things that we experienced in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe to me what life was like growing up in South Africa? Yeah. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm obviously South African, so... I was born there, both my parents are South African, so yeah, kind of moved over here when I was 11, so 2001, so pretty much more Australian now than yeah. South African, but um, like I had a really good childhood, but yeah, we grew, grew up on a farm, we had like a big peach orchard, we had cows, sheep, like yeah. I was pretty much just like a little farm boy yeah, like yeah. running around, so yeah, pretty stark contrast to like now, more like sort of coastal city yeah. lifestyle yeah. Um, but yeah I think it was a really cool environment to grow up in like as a as a child because yeah. you sort of had all the animals around and your friends could come around you had the dirt bikes and yeah. you know it was really cool sort of growing up like that so yeah we kind of like afforded sort of everything like I guess our family was um, sort of like upper like a little bit more upper class like mid to upper yeah sort of sort of class and yeah, mum and dad or, or always did really well with like, um, you know, their jobs and that sort of stuff. So they sort of gave us everything we needed growing up. And yeah, yeah it was it was just really cool having that environment to grow up in. And I think, you know, that that's kind of how they wanted us, wanted to raise us as well. Yeah. Because they both grew up on farms. And yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it gave us like that life experience, like kind of early. Yeah. Which is cool. And then what, what made them decide to to leave to go to australia yeah so obviously i think a lot of south african people have got pretty similar stories i've i've heard i was gonna say that yeah i've heard of yeah. some pretty hectic stories for them yeah so i think like for us it wasn't as crazy like there's definitely some crazy stuff happening in the country with you know obviously like apartheid happening and yeah like earlier when i was younger um you know i would have been like very young when apartheid sort of happened and there's obviously a lot of like race um, issues, racial issues going on um, between the black people and the white people. And, you know, I went to an Afrikaans school, so I was raised speaking Afrikaans. And, yeah. and you still um, do, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not allowed to speak English at home. Oh, aren't you? Nah, dad, dad always calls it the enemy's language. <laughs> so he's still, That's yeah, he's still very, yeah. very Afrikaans. Yeah. But, um, no, nah, it's good because he sort of keeps us, you know, keeps that in the family. and yeah. And we um still part we, of your identity pretty yeah, strong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like I don't want to let that go either and like mm. so, wanna pass some of that on to my yeah. kids if I ever yeah, go nice. down that road. Yeah, it was it was kind of tough in that sense, I guess, you know, for my parents especially, because they sort of went through the brunt of it and, 
experienced all that, especially with like farming and stuff. You know, when that apartheid happened, there was like different laws being approved and, you know, there were sort of big race wars and people taking like white farmers' land and just setting up camp on there. There's a lot of murdering going on. And, yeah. and like, obviously, my, like my dad comes from a farming family. There's, like, he's the youngest of four brothers. And they're all still over there doing that. They're just really tough humans. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was tough in that sense. So, I, to answer your question, I guess that's kind of what triggered it all. Like, there are a few things that happened when, uh, especially in our neighbourhood, that sort of alerted mum and dad to go, hey, our kids don't really have a future in this country anymore. Like... Yeah. We want to take them somewhere safe and yeah. and give them a childhood because yeah. I think we were the way we were raised. We were raised like adults from a pretty young age because we had to be like we didn't really you know we had to be aware of our surroundings. We yeah. had to do all that. We yeah. couldn't really ride our bikes on the street. You know we had to hide if like people walked past. You know yeah. and like I never really mention it as like black or white people. Like yeah. I just see everyone as people. But because yeah. we one of my best friends was was a black. Um, African guy called President. His name was President, and he was like the his best. His real name was President. Yeah, his, his actual name was President, which was hilarious. Like, like now looking back, but like when I was when I was in it, it was just like, yeah, his yeah. name's President. Like yeah. I was just a kid, you yeah. know. So and you were he, very like street smarts. Like, yeah, I think. Then. Yeah, I think we were like kind of street savvy. Yeah, uh, as kids. So, and I think that still stays with me a lot. You know, like I'm always yeah. watching my back. Yeah. Or I feel like you're always aware gonna, of things. Yeah. yeah, I'm super aware of yeah. everything. Like in my surroundings. So, yeah, it's sort of you know that gets sort of ingrained in you as a kid. But, yeah. But yeah, like I guess that's the reason why we moved over. We had like there's like a gnarly story of um, when this is sort of how I describe it, like from a kid's sort of perspective. And there's probably a fair bit of GST added to the story, but <laughs> needs to be. It's like. Um, it, I always tell the story to like my friends of like when we were at the at a barbecue at our neighbor's house across the road and um my dad had like a little security beeper thing on his belt like he was one of those kooky dads with the big yeah. love your dad but he had this kooky belt with like all the contraptions on it like a swiss army yeah. knife like a fanny he, pack yeah and a night he had a nine millimeter gun on there as well yeah, yeah. and then he'd have like his like security beeper thing because that's just what that's just normal yeah, over there yeah. And we obviously the whole house like um, got an alarm system and we were at the barbecue, like barbecue at the neighbours and the alarms go off across the road. So dad and his best mate Quibus like at the time and they've both got their little belts on and they've had a few, yeah. you know, like a few brandies on the rocks. The, you neighbor- know? the neighbourhood watch. Yeah, the neighbourhood watch was out. <laughs> yeah. The boys were ready. So dad's like, all right, we're going to go check this out, like full military mode because dad was like in the army and I yeah. think Quibus was as well. And so they're, they're just frothing. They're like, let's go. Like, it's on. So they run across the road. And, and it actually was. There were three guys trying to break into our house. Yeah. Um, and they have – what they do is they use, like, mud and they throw, like, either rocks or mud onto the windows to see if the alarms would go off and obviously triggered the alarms. So eventually, like, Dad and Quivers, like, found these guys and we had, like, a big paddock of, like, lucerne, like, crops. And these three guys, like, take off into the – into the loose end because it's tall so they're trying to like hide in there so my dad's just hooking it in there with his like nine millimeter and this is how dad sort of told it to me and he he'd probably do a better job of telling the story but um he just f- found the first guy like laying down <laughs> so he was like trying to hide but because when you run through those fields everything just folds over so you can just follow wherever the person's gone yeah. and apparently he was just lying there like 
just pretending like he wasn't there. And dad, and so dad sort of grabbed him and like dad said it was pretty intense. Like he, at one point he thought about shooting one of them and then he ended up like flipping his uh, revolver around and like smacking the dude with it mm. and like grabbed his um, belt, pulled his pants down and like tied his belt around his ankles and then set off after the next guy. And then he found, I think they ended up, catching up with two of them and the third one jumped over the fence yeah, like right. to the neighbor's yard yeah. so i think that was and then there was like court proceedings and stuff afterwards yeah. and basically because dad was white like yeah. they were just like this isn't worth our time yeah. like sort of threw it out and then yeah. i think that's probably where dad went holy shit like we we don't have these the rights that yeah. we used to have and mm. like it's just not safe here for, like for it the really kids. really hit home didn't it yeah. yeah i think that was probably one of the reasons and yeah. obviously us being kids there's probably a lot more reasons that they saw that we didn't yeah um, like we just wanted to hang out with our mates and yeah. have a good they time they probably would have hit a lot of stuff from you guys as too yeah definitely yeah. so that's that's the yeah. reason basically yeah how did um, um yeah how did the rest of the family react to you guys leaving because they would have been proud south africans yeah they didn't react well at all yeah i think um mum's side was all right like my uncle and auntie had actually moved here before us mm. So I think that sort of paved the way for us to come over and, you know, sort of helped on mum's side. And then mum's, um, you know, my grandma and grandpa also came over as well. So mm. from her side, it was fine. They were more English speaking South Africans though. Like, so mum, mum grew up in like near Durban sort of thing. So yeah. that sort of area. So yeah, more sort of English speaking area. Yeah. And, and mum's actually an English teacher, which yeah, so yeah. yeah, so it's pretty funny yeah. that like my like dad got married to her yeah, sort yeah. of thing. But yeah. um, they yeah they were they were fine with it. But then dad's side is like super pro South Africa, like mm. wanted to stay there, and mm. they basically just ripped my dad to shreds for yeah. leaving the country. This is our yeah. country. We were raised here, you know the big like masculine yeah. mentality yeah, yeah. that South Africans have. Do, so. you, do you think that? took a toll on your dad that huge yeah massive. yeah massive i think it was just a big pride thing for dad mm. you know and moving over here as well like he couldn't get a job because he was working in like sort of like uh you have to get security clearance because my dad's a he worked in the army and he he's an aeronautical engineer so yeah. he knows a lot of stuff like that normal people don't know basically so it, it took him like years I think it took him like four years or something to get his security clearance in Australia yeah. so he was just struggling like dad was doing anything he could he was like picking strawberries he was yeah. sweeping out like um, storage containers like yeah. like it basically just degraded him yeah. and because he's such a proud guy yeah. like he super he struggled with that like yeah. so hard and and then obviously mum we got in on a visa because mum was a teacher so she had the skill set to be able to get a visa at that time. Yeah. I don't know what the visa was called, but yeah. that's kind of what got the family in. Yeah. And then, yeah, like that, that was probably the toughest years of their lives, I reckon, yeah. like going through those sort of three, four-year period, probably five-year period where we first moved because yeah. dad was just, yeah, he was rattled in it. Yeah. It really like affected him, so. Did you realise that at that age or? Cause yeah. You're so, oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. There were side effects of him yeah, yeah. Feeling, feeling yeah. like that. So Yeah. But, um, and ha- yeah. how hard was it, I mean, adjusting to the Australian culture and, and coming in and you didn't, you didn't know English? And you, yeah, so we did. It was really hard yeah, adjusting. Yeah. Um, 
Because we're, we're a strange society and a strange culture. So weird. It's so weird. Yeah, really strange. Like, and I always tell you guys this story because, you know, we went to primary school together. Yeah, yeah. But I never hung out with you at primary no, school. No. Yeah, I didn't get to know you until after school, really. Yeah, yeah. I was like the loser kid at school because I couldn't, I couldn't even speak English probably. Yeah. Like, I could speak, like, we got taught English, like, you get taught, like, Japanese over Yeah, here. real basic. Yeah, but yeah. mum was an English teacher, so that helped a lot, you yeah. know? Like, she yeah. would help us with all our yeah. assignments and do all that stuff. And, you know, I ended up doing pretty well yeah. in English at school, but, but that was really tough at yeah. the start. You know, I sort of hung out more with, like, the library crew and played my Tamagotchi in the corner, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I wasn't, like... Um, yeah out doing what you guys were doing like yeah. playing footy and stuff yeah. like that you know i just didn't really talk to anyone because yeah, yeah there's you know you, people would call you like a dickhead and stuff yeah. and i was like what is that yeah, like yeah. people are calling me a penis head i don't understand <laughs> what this means like so i'd go home to mom and like tell her all this stuff yeah. and i'm like what do these kids yeah. keep calling me this and then obviously eventually you figure yeah. out that it's like a term of affection yeah. sort of yeah yeah um but at the start i was just like these kids suck it's weird like, you, you you mean it to your mates more than the people you don't like yeah, yeah. and you could tell you my parents were yeah, yeah fully yeah. like we just yeah exactly like you would we still do it yeah. like we just rip on each other and then we <laughs> laugh you know but yeah, yeah. but when you when you're from another culture yeah, and you, you have no idea you don't have that you know australians have that sarcastic yeah humor yeah it's just and i think dad struggled a lot with it too he thought everyone was just assholes basically <laughs> so yeah i would come home crying like yeah. all the time yeah. and i'd just be like these kids are picking on me like they call me this and that yeah. and I guess you just have to be a bit more sarcastic and thick-skinned yeah, yeah, growing absolutely. up here, mm. whereas in South Africa, everyone's really polite and nice and mm. kind of straightforward. So yeah. if they don't like you, they'll just tell you. They're not going to, like, be sarcastic about it, you know? Some so, passive-aggressive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, um, yeah, that was really hard for me. And then I'd go home and that would reflect – I'd re- sort of reflect that onto my parents and go, you know, this sucks, I hate this country. Yeah, like, yeah. take me home. I want to go back to my friends, yeah. like – all that sort of stuff. And, and they're pretty, they're already dealing with that too, probably themselves. Yeah, so. you know, and they're trying yeah. to get jobs and just pay yeah. the rent and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, and like, yeah. buy, I think we bought a place, so just trying to like, um, you know, pay the mortgage and that, mm. like, was even a little bit tough at the start because yeah. dad didn't have a proper job. So yeah. they had so much going on, and yeah. then we were coming home going, this country this sucks. Yeah. Like, everyone's assholes. Yeah. Like, what, what do you think the turning point was when you started to fit in and, and make friends and was it through sport i know how sporty you are now was it yeah it's always a good avenue in australia if you need to make friends you play a bit of sport and you've got all these teammates so yeah well i think as you know now i'm a pretty chatty sort of person like i talk yeah, a yeah. lot of shit so yeah. back then i probably wasn't yeah. i was like still sort of learning how to fit in and yeah. and all that sort of stuff and i've always been kind of a little bit cheeky and mm. you know like poking people and annoying everyone so I think yeah, that was that was the biggest turning point. It was probably just like starting to play team sports and stuff. So yeah. um, that's where I met like all you guys too, yeah. you know. And we have like our massive group of friends. Yeah, um, it was all through that. So it was kind of like just doing my talking on the field rather than yeah. saying anything. Yeah. And then I think eventually people, you know, if you play good footy, people start noticing. People start yeah. noticing you, and they go, "Oh, like yeah, can't oh, be friends with us." Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like come here, yeah. like you're alright, yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's and and I think it's funny like the correlation between that and like you know you look at like apartheid and how Nelson Mandela used like rugby to unify yeah. like races and stuff. Mm. I think that just applies across the board still, yeah. and, and people talk about it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's what sport sort of gets yeah. used for. So yeah. yeah, so that sort of once I started doing that, it just like opened up 
everything and then they were just like well we're playing cricket too and then i'm on the cricket team they were playing tennis and doing that and i was also always super competitive and you know my my parents oh my dad and all his brothers played rugby and they played pretty high level over there and my cousins so it's just like in our blood sort of thing yeah so yeah it's just the classic south african story you know so So. when when you did come home and you're i guess not feeling the greatest about school and about living in australia how did you how did your dad sort of react to that i don't know i don't really think dad was i think dad was so caught up in his own stuff he couldn't really deal with a lot of things like he was having like kind of a crisis of identity a little bit and like a lot of self-confidence issues. But yeah. I think it was really hard. I can see that now. I couldn't see it when I was at the time. Like, you know, you you would talk to dad and he'd be kind of just angry all the time. And like, I, I love dad so much. He's amazing. But he was just going through the roughest time mm. and he was sort of projecting that onto us. So it was... um yeah, it was it was really tough to understand at the time because I was just like, why have you been such a dick, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was just trying to deal with his own stuff and I think yeah. that it was really, it was a tough time for him and I think mum was probably carrying us at that point because she was, she's always been like the rock of the family and she was also bringing in most of the money as well. So I think dad was just feeling like emasculated yeah, and just being like the proud South African that mm. he is, that would have been... Yeah. like the hardest thing for him to do so so yeah i think he he was struggling a lot with that and yeah he had to be there for us more yeah whereas in south africa he it was, was the on the other the yeah. provider yeah. yeah so he was always out working and yeah. so was mum but yeah. mum was more involved and then it sort of flipped a little bit yeah. and then it was like he was kind of rattled he was just yeah. like Fuck, like how do i deal with these kids yeah and, and like the sort of like yeah the, the tough love i guess he was giving you yeah i think that's like the more you think about it, was it a lot of generational stuff that maybe he yeah. got when he was growing up from his dad? And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think at the time, you know, like I was super, I think, really angry at dad for how he treated me and stuff, but I couldn't see what he was going through. So it was really hard to, to sort of put myself in his shoes, I guess, mm. until like later on in life, like now. But yeah, he was, it's definitely like a generational thing. Like it's just that proud, strong men mm. mentality you know like you look at all my uncles they're all like the toughest humans on earth like he was the youngest brother too so i think he got picked on a lot as when he was young yeah. i think that he projected that onto us too you know try to raise us like that like be tough be better you know nothing's ever yeah. good enough keep yeah. pushing yeah. get um, over it get on with it exactly yeah, that yeah. like that sort of thing so he never really understood how to deal with his emotions because he's just like you know you're just being a pussy like sorry for using that word (laughs) (laughs) not not uh female friendly but but yeah basically that's what the mentality was like that's what they would say like you're just being a pussy get on with it you know sort of thing and i guess one of the side effects of that is that you don't you don't learn to regulate your own emotions yeah something that i struggled with Mm. that i that i couldn't put words to the feelings that i was having Mm. So I didn't know how to. I didn't know what the the, the emotions I was feeling, mm. and that's what I struggled with a lot. Yeah, and like my my parents, they were great. We never spoke about that sort of thing. Mm. Not until I was in my twenties. Yeah, yeah. Where we could actually have a conversation. But younger days, I was going through a lot of anxiety and anxiety attacks, and yeah, I just couldn't. I didn't know what the feelings were. I didn't know how to talk about it. Mm. I couldn't put words to it. Yeah. And um, that's something that I sort of really struggled with growing up too. Yeah, for sure. I think that I was similar in that way. I've always been very anxious and yeah. 
like shaky and <laughs> you know like all the black people in south africa used to call me tatizela which means like the shaky one because <laughs> i was always had like super shaky too hands much, too much coffee yeah it looked like i was just yeah. on crack basically yeah, yeah, like yeah. the whole time but yeah. um i think my dad said um my granddad was like that too so that's yeah. kind of interesting obviously have that sort of tendency i guess mm. to be more on like the anxious side of things yeah and I guess I still don't really understand what, what that is, like what anxiety is. It's kind of, it's a feeling and try and describe it to someone is... Almost impossible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's just really difficult to describe and it's very like overwhelming sometimes yeah. as well. Yeah. And yeah, obviously have had to find ways to deal with that. But yeah, yeah I think that, that I definitely felt similar to yeah. you and I couldn't really make sense of it. Yeah. So I just, I was just like, this is what I am. This is who I am. Yeah. I am this anxious mess. And I think I've always like put that on myself. Yeah. Whereas uh, now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, it's not your fault. Mm. Like, you know, sort of take that step back and go be a little bit more easier on yourself. And mm. how do you reduce like that anxiety and how do you, you handle it? Cause it's part of your life. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of interesting looking back now going, yeah. well, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to deal with it. It was just, it just was what it was. Mm. So yeah. do you think, do you think that was probably the start of your, your mental health journey that that period in your life no at, at I, school, do you reckon or no i think it started when i was pretty young yeah, yeah. before then yeah definitely yeah, yeah. I, I don't think i was you know with dad being really hard on me and you know i have a younger sister like inga who you know as well and i think that i shielded her a lot like i spoke to her about this when we we're on a trip in bali like not long ago and told her how much you know dad would always blame me for everything so if if um, she did something wrong, it was my fault because I'm supposed to be looking after her. So I would get like the belt or mm. whatever, you know. I don't know what age that sort of stopped, probably around 14, 15, I guess. But when we were younger, like I was pretty much like an adult, like how I handled myself, how I spoke to my parents, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I felt like I just sort of had to grow up really quickly because I was in that environment of dealing with how dad wanted me to be he never wanted me to be a kid yeah. he's like you're a man you yeah. know like you're a man from the age of nine yeah. like go work on the farm yeah go yeah. work on the farm like struggling yeah. to carry the buckets yeah. around and yeah. shit and i'm like dad i'm tired and yeah. he's just like you know suck yeah. it up like yeah. keep going sort of thing yeah. so it's sort of in that way it was yeah, yeah it was a little bit tough with, with all that but that's kind of where it started because yeah. i think i was a really sensitive person i always have been and i think my, that comes from my mum and dad growing up the way he grew up he just couldn't see that he didn't understand that i was different yeah i wasn't like him and how i approached things and how i dealt with emotional situations so i think that he giving me that tough love that triggered that thing in my brain that sort of created the anxiety and and i didn't like how i was being treated so i was like that that's what sort of triggered that when when i was young i probably would have been like nine or ten when it sort of started and then Obviously, I've just gone through peaks and troughs, yeah. as, as everyone does yeah. um, throughout life. But when so. you get that sort of reaction from your dad, it, it kind of snowballs, doesn't it? It mm. doesn't make the situation any better. Yeah, exactly. Um, it just makes it worse. It just reinforces it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, again, he could, he, because he wasn't a very emotional guy, he wasn't trying to understand me. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't yeah. trying to go, oh, Chris is yeah. like this because of this or that. Yeah. He was just trying to go trying to do it his way and it's like i'm not you like this isn't how i deal with things yeah and i think that's where mum sort of has helped me so much in my life because she was always there going chris you this is who you are you're like this this is how you deal with things 
and she would always say the right things, you know, like mums do. Mm. Um, but she's just so emotionally intelligent that she could unpack things and make them make sense for me. Because, yeah. like, I, I think we were talking about this earlier. I think both of us struggle or initially struggle when we we're younger to differentiate our thoughts and our feelings, sort of. Or if you're having a feeling, you're trying to explain that with a thought. Mm. Then you're trying to, like, link the two together. Yeah. And trying to make sense of it when really it shouldn't make sense because yeah, you yeah. can't make sense of a feeling. Yeah. Feelings are feeling, yeah. you know what I mean? So that was sort of the start for me and I just sort of snowballed into these very emotional situations where mm. I just couldn't quite deal with the feelings I was having. Yeah, yeah. I felt cornered and yeah. like not in a good place and then the, then the thoughts started yeah. to go and that's kind of, I think at a young age that had started because yeah. of a lot of the things dad used to say to me and used to do to me, you know, he pushed yeah. me around a little bit. Yeah. He was never like, he would never hit me or anything like that, but he would, he would sometimes just be a little bit physical. He'd be yeah. like, come on, man up, mate, yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know? And I was like a little kid. So yeah. I think that just those little trigger points all contributed. Yeah. Um, and then that sort of um, made me kind of this anxious sort of, gave me these little yeah. mannerisms and stuff. So. And I guess the pressure of also, I guess, in a way, protecting Inga, your sister, yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, you, you copped a lot of. If mm. She would, you know, like you said, if she did something wrong. Yeah, well, she's always been the naughty one in the Chris, family. Chris did something wrong. Yeah, because I've always been the quiet, like yeah. nice, polite kid, yeah. and she was like the just outrageous, creative, yeah. like little Still, asshole. You know, yeah, a little bit. In yeah, in like a, <laughs> the nicest way. Like I mean that affectionately. But, but did you take responsibility, geez. like? She's my sister. I, I Yeah, I think a lot of the time I did. Mm. Yeah. So I would say, I would just own up. I'd just be like, yeah, she, I lost her or I didn't see where she was and mm. my fault. And then mm. dad would like get angry at me. So she didn't know any of that, you know. Yeah. I, I spoke to her about this what, like what did she six say? months ago. And she was like, she cried. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe you did all that. Yeah. I didn't even know that was happening. So yeah. yeah, it was just interesting how the different perspectives, Yeah, how we grew up. But then I think that sort of, in a way helped her shield her a little bit from it mm. um, as well, which I guess is a good thing yeah, in absolutely. a way because yeah. um, then she wouldn't be who she is. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting how life goes. Yeah. And do you think your sort of dark days, yeah, rock bottom for you? Mm. I've, had of, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of those. You've yeah. rock bottom a couple of times? Yeah, probably two or three times, I think. Yeah. yeah. And what's, um, what's been the situation there? I think uh, the first time when I was I was like 16, like no one even knew what was going on, you know, like I was mm. I was just so depressed and I was going to, mum was like, you know, I was just doing nothing. I shut down, basically. I'd just go into my room. I would just do, I wouldn't go outside, but then I'd still go to school. I was like a, I was like a functioning yeah. depressed person. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I would just go to, and that's why they say you never know when people are depressed because the happiest people can look depressed, mm. you know, and, and I looked like that, mm. you know, I was a prefect, I was, you know, starting seven on the first 15 rugby team, I was house captain, I was like getting straight A's through school, you know, like you, if out externally looking in, you'd be like, this guy's killing it. Yeah. And then internally, I was just like blowing up. I think it was just like a culmination of all the pressure of having to perform and having to, I've always tried to live up to my dad's expectations Mm. and they're unreachable. They're just not going to happen, you know? Do you feel like you've put, because of that, you've got your own high standards and... Yes. So I think a lot of good things have come out of it. Like 
it gives me my drive it gives me my passion your work ethic yeah it gives me vision it it makes me want to make something of myself like i feel like i'm now proving things to myself Mm. which i've never kind of done so but dad gave me all that too so it's it's funny how you can get side effects from something you think's negative but it turns you into who you are yeah so like now i'm in a place where i can see that those can be turned into positives yeah um but at the time it just made me depressed because i didn't really know how to change my mindset on it so yeah that was kind of the first time and you know it got really bad like i just wouldn't come out of my room and you know i was i was starting to think about like suicide and stuff like that so and how old were you reckon, then? i was six around 16 yeah. and i was going to psychologists and eventually ended up on antidepressants mm. and had to they were giving me shit little things to do like squeeze a pen because yeah. you're shaky yeah. shit like that yeah, and I, I was tried, like they, they try that with me too yeah and like yeah. squeeze this little ball yeah. and stuff and i'm like yeah okay, i get it but yeah that's gonna make me not shaky but yeah. it's nothing it's not helping for anything else yeah, so yeah. i sort of consider myself being pretty emotionally intelligent as well so mm. you know i was listening to these people telling me what to do and i'm like i, I just felt like i knew better which is a and i was young you know i was yeah. like well you don't know what you're talking about yeah. I, I realize now that it was more practical they were just trying to get me to do more practical things yeah but um, yeah, at the time I was just, it, I was like, this isn't going to help me. This isn't me. working, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I understand better yeah. than you guys what's yeah. going on. You yeah, know? I felt that too. When I so, first went, it was like, mm. you don't know how I'm feeling, so how can you, yeah. how can you fix it? Yeah, exactly. And then we, we talked about, talking about it was probably the best thing for me. Mm. I did three sessions with a lady and she barely said anything to me. Yeah. She, she just sat down and she said, speak. Yeah. And then I'll, and I'll tell her something and then there'll be a pause and she'll go what else mm. and then i'll talk again it was like three hour sessions of me just venting yeah and it was weird how it gave you the confidence to to talk about it yeah i think i was a little bit different in that yeah. sense because i had my mom yeah and i'd tell i'll tell mom anything yeah like shit you're not meant to yeah. tell your mom i tell my mom <laughs> that's, that's you know? funny that's funny that because yeah the best thing that worked for me was talking to someone that i don't know yeah. For some reason, I didn't want to talk to someone that knew me. That, yeah. That either cared yeah. about me because I didn't want any sympathy. Yep. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want people to treat me any differently. I didn't. Yeah, want, that makes sense. I didn't want people to judge me. I mm. just wanted to talk to someone that I know. It, all they're doing is listening. Yeah. And they, and they can go home and they don't have to worry about Elliot. Yeah. Exactly. But if I I was worried that and even if it's it's like a common thing when if if you talk about it with someone, it's it's hard for them not to feel sorry for you. Because mm. of the, some of the things that you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for them not to feel a little bit... And all they treat you differently. And yeah. I never wanted to be treated differently just because I'm... Yeah. Feeling like, sad or... Yeah, or bias. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, that's where I was lucky with mum because she's not biased. Yeah. She sees all points of view and she'll tell me, like, yeah. this is actually you. This yeah, isn't yeah. Some, someone else, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, she just, like, call me on stuff. Yeah. Um, and she's always been like that. So I think that, that that's probably where I felt comfortable talking to her. Yeah. As opposed, and then she became like my safe place. Whereas, like going to see these other losers, I was like, "You guys think you're smart, but you know nothing." Like <laughs> my mom knows way more, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it was funny how I like sort of trusted her so much yeah. with everything, and I still do. Like yeah. now, you know, that's built such so. a strong relationship early on with your mom. Yeah, I think she. I th- honestly don't know where I'd be without her. Mm. Like, I would be in. I've been in some really bad places mentally, and. Like, dad was never going to help me with that, mm. you know? And if I, if I didn't have her there, uh, yeah, I just, it, you just wonder, yeah. like, what would have happened. Yeah. So, 
yeah so just super grateful for that yeah and, and i tell her that all the time yeah i so, bet you do yeah, yeah like every time i see her so <laughs> you're yeah. seeing her after this <laughs> yeah yeah go see mum this hour she's excited so and and i think it's good to point out the i guess the importance of having close friends yeah um Definitely. i mean we're in a we're in a pretty big friend circle me and you yeah um how has some of those close friends affected you i mean mm. for their support and yeah i think that right now um is probably one of the craziest times i didn't think now that i'm like you know i'm turning 33 this year and i'm in a really weird spot because i've sort of just come out of a really long-term relationship and i guess to your point like having i'm living with brock now who I mm. think he's coming on the podcast, mm. but I beat you, Brock. I got in first, mate. But yeah, I'm, I live with Brocky now down on the on the Gold Coast, and you know he's doing really great things um, with Sana Days, which I've sort of gotten involved with now. So me and, and Benny Radmel mm. um, have sort of joined in with Brock, and we're like the directors of Sana now. But mm. it's basically just Brock doing yeah. everything. We just have to sign some stuff, you know. <laughs> um, so we're doing like the run clubs and that there and i think that brock's such a like closed off he's a closed book but he's a rock as well Mm. like you can just build around him so Mm. like living with brocco now has really helped me like if i i've been going through a really rough time and having him there not saying anything has been like exactly what i've needed and i think me being so fucking chatty like i talk to him about all my feelings it sort of makes him talk about his feelings. Yeah. It's like so the now perfect combination, yeah. I feel like, his personality and your personality. Yeah. It's just worked out great. Yeah. And it's funny because we split up with our exes two days apart. Yeah. And then I get this call from Brock and I'm like, oh, it's going to be good. He never calls me. <laughs> He's like, let's go have a coffee, sat down and chat him. And I'm like, oh, actually, just same thing happened to me. Do you need a room? Yeah. He's like, yep, yeah. bang. And then like a week later, it sort of It's funny how that in. all sort of... Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like it was meant to be in a, in a weird way. And yeah. yeah, like friends, I think, are super important. I think friends can be bad too, de- depending on if they're like real friends. Yeah. You know, it's the old Kanye West line, like real friends that, you know, like everyone just wants something from you. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think that, yeah, having the right friends yeah. is important and being aware of that yeah, is important. Absolutely. Yeah, like... I think that awareness has become a lot bigger for me. I think I've sort of just floated through life, honestly, like just feeling things and not feeling things and not really tapping into why I'm feeling them. Yeah. And now that I've I had, I've had this rude shock of like getting out of like a six and a half year relationship, it's like re-energized me to like prioritize what I want in life. So I've started to look at, okay, who am I surrounding myself with? Uh, how do they make me feel and how do I react to them rather than just hanging out with people because they're fun, you know? Or you so don't like, want to be alone or you just want company or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's two parts to it is like I've never really been comfortable on my own mm. because then I have to deal with my thoughts and my feelings and then I just turn into a crazy person. Mm. And then the other element of it is being aware of who I'm around and how they impact my life. Yeah, the right people. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a whole new friendship group down there. Like I've gotten, you know, I'm taking these boys to South Africa in five weeks too. Such a good bonding trip. Yeah, which would be yeah. crazy. And I've only known them for a year, yeah, really, yeah. not even, mm. like 10 months. And a few of my good mates from here pulled out of the trip. So I was like, you know what? Like these guys have been here for me through like a really tough time and mm. I'd love to have, take them back and show them where I'm from and yeah. stuff. And they just jumped on it. They're yeah. like, bang, we're doing it. And 
I think they're just doing really positive things with their lives and we're in a similar life stages Yeah, and they're just good humans. So I'm yeah. like, we're not just drinking piss and yeah. going out and doing stuff. Like we're yeah. running, we're doing active things, we're building businesses, we're yeah. buying houses, we're, we're talking about the same yeah. things and yeah. I think that's been positive for me because it's given me direction and it's given me like, the you know, that sort of stimulation i yeah. need to to that, improve my life rather yeah, that than pushing like, that drive doesn't it like yeah because i felt really stagnant yeah you know i felt like i wasn't moving forward and i, I felt like i needed this sort mm. of shock to mm. to keep like push me forward you and take all, me to that next level absolutely so. you almost reflect the people that you are spending yeah. your time with so yeah absolutely so yeah Do it's super important you touched on earlier the the long-term breakup yeah was that probably we spoke about rock bottom times and you mentioned a few. Do you reckon that was one of them? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, uh, it's, it was different. Yeah. You know, I think the first time when I was 16, I was so sad, but caught up in my own head sort of thing. And, mm. and, you know, I, I decided to break it off with, with my ex. And I think that it's the saddest I've ever been like in a way where your heart feels like it's going to fall out sort of way, you know, like it was just really painful um, feeling that and having to do that to someone that you really love and um, and like you know I think I'll always love her a little bit and it's it's really hard to let that it's you become like one person it's like get, getting rid of a part of yourself mm. but then it's also you know if you're not happy in that situation and you're not growing sometimes you have to make really fucking hard decisions to get you to to be the person who you need to be mm. and to be happy with yourself so at the end of the day, it, I was kind of doing, I, was, I had to do it for myself. I didn't know why. Mm. And that made it so hard. Yeah, to explain it. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like you've, you're with this person. They're amazing. They're lovely. Mm. All your friends love them. They have all these amazing qualities, yeah. but they're just not fulfilling that hole that you have in yourself. Mm. And not that they should. They should never have to feel that. But I think that sometimes in life you have to walk on your own to figure those things out. 100%. And you can't have those distractions of other people coddling you and looking after you because then you'll never help yourself. And I think that's what it came down to. Yeah. I became complacent. I became lazy. Mm. I stopped doing the things I wanted to do. I just talked about them. Mm. And so I was like, I need, you know, I, I feel like this, us being together is sort of uh, like a catalyst for that in a weird way. Um, and it wasn't like a malice situation. It was just, mm. I became, it was me. I became like sort of lazy within myself and, and stopped doing what I, what I wanted to do. And, and I felt like I needed, that's what I needed to do yeah. to, to sort of progress in life. And it hasn't been easy, yeah. you know, like I'm not saying I did it and I feel relief and mm. like, you know, people say break up with people and it's like a weight off their shoulders mm. and stuff. It didn't really feel like that for me. It felt like mourning, like loss mm. and, which is weird to say because I did it. <laughs> so it's like sometimes, some days I just feel like a psychopath, you know, it's but like constant battle, isn't constant it? battle. Like, yeah. why did I do it? Cause yeah. you don't, they didn't do anything to yeah, you, yeah. you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, how do you explain it? How do you tell them that, that you didn't do anything? Well, you can't, you can't, yeah. You know, and we don't talk anymore mm. and she's moved on yeah. like pretty quickly, which yeah. I'm happy for her. So yeah. it's just like, so you, you never got the opportunity to, because I know at the time it's hard to put into words, but after mm. some self-reflection and you can have, you can think about exactly what was happening at that time. Yeah. But then it's also because it's been so long, you can't just go back and say, yeah, hey, listen, this is why six months ago we broke up. Yeah. You can't, you t- well, you can't tell. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it gone. doesn't matter yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
um, you don't bother that person. Yeah. They've given you a lot of themselves. Like, go and let them be happy. Mm. Like, stop dragging them back into your shit, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, like, happy. I just want to leave her to do her thing, and um, I respect her, so I don't want to step on her toes anymore. Like, yeah. just leave her alone. Yeah, You've yeah. done enough damage, you know? Yeah. And I think that I probably did try and go and explain myself a few times, but the way that I did it was selfish. Yeah, it was like yeah. internal reflection stuff I was sending her. Yeah. And she doesn't have to deal with that. No. It's not her problem. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think when I guess something that you can sort of learn out of that is like stepping back in those situations when you're going through like a big life event and you're hurting, don't act out of emotion, like remove yourself, like step aside and, you know, sort of try and look at it like you're looking in at yourself yeah, yeah. and go, hold on okay if you say this how's that person going to feel yeah. and how do you feel about that person would you want to do that to them then you know that that sort of helps you separate yourself from the situation and from the emotion yeah. and then you can deal with things in a way where you can be proud of yourself mm. and i think that's all everyone anyone wants yeah 100%. just to be proud of themselves yeah. and how they handle like different situations so do you reckon at that point was the start of your self-development journey i think yeah, or, I think or at least diving diving pretty pretty deep into it. Yeah, I think that the way I see myself or have seen myself my whole life is as a kid, and mm. I think that everyone sort of does still. Mm. You know, they all sort of see themselves as that child. But I just I've I've always had that personality. Like I'm the fun larrikin kid running around at parties. I always love partying, like going out and you know being loud and out there and stuff. But I think that I always use that as like an escape. Yeah. for how I was feeling and like not really dealing with things and yeah. you know probably drinking too much here and there and I've always got my active side of things but I, I do everything zero or 100 so it's like I know you do if we're going hard yeah, we're, we're going, going hard. hard yeah yeah, yeah so we're going for a run it's for 30k run. yeah it's 30k <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not it's, like a 3k you're not going for a jog yeah my yeah. mate's just like I don't understand you like <laughs> There are, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people like that too, yeah. so... And that's your, I think yeah. that's a little bit of your dad coming out too, because he's telling definitely. you if you're going to do something, yep. you do it You do it right. Yeah, you definitely. Give you give 100%, you don't do anything half-assed. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's the biggest thing he's given me. Yeah. Like, he gives me, motiv- like, he's instilled motivation in me every day to get up and just yeah. do as much as I can with the day. Yeah. And that's something he's always sort of said, I want you to have the life you want. And he's always sort of steered me a little bit. He's like, I think you like this. You should go this way. Or I think you like that. And he knows I have that drive and motivation, like no, you know, no give in sort of mentality. So he's like, whatever you do, you're going to do well, but you just need to keep following that. So yeah, Yeah. being so hard on me when I was young has also like really helped me like be who I am. So yeah. What are your, uh, I guess your non-negotiables, your your pillars of living a healthy and full life. Um, yeah. Touched on running and I know you're yep. quite active. Mm-hmm. I actually learned a lot of this from like a kind of like a holistic psychologist I went to. Yeah. On my second time, I sort of hit rock bottom <laughs> when I was living down on the Gold Coast. I was just drinking a lot. Yeah. I was under high work stress. I used to work for um, like a big umbrella company. I was flying to Sydney all the time and doing all this work. And, you know, I was working 12, 14 hour days and I was stressed for a 60 grand job I was just like what am I doing yeah, yeah. and you know doing all the wrong things I was drinking like because I'm an anxious person any stimulants like just get me going and you know I was like living with a dude who smoked cigarettes and every now and then I'd you know have a ciggy here and there and we drink a fair bit and it was just that party lifestyle like sort of the the work environment as well like we'd go to the Rolling Stone Awards and 
um, you know, you're just, it's just parties, yeah. you know? So that spiked my anxiety and that made me realize what I, what I need now. So, um, and then that psychologist sort of point that pointed that out to me as well. Like, what are those things that make you tick? And it's, it's, first of all, for me, it's physical things. So I think that you can't fix everything with physical, but I think that the, those fundamentals need to be there to base your mental health off because your physical sort of dictates your mental a lot of the time. So for me, it's like obviously having really good sleep is a, is a massive one and being like militant style about it. I'm rubbish at it. Brock will rip me to shreds for this. But um, It's important having discipline. Is Having discipline yeah, is yeah. the biggest thing. So yeah. for me, routine is, a, is massive. Like, you know, we exercise so much, you know, like we do like the Monday leg session, then we play – we played two games of touch last night. Then we'll do a 10K run on Tuesday morning. Then we'll do a 6K run on Wednesday morning. Go to the gym, do upper on Wednesday afternoon. Then we'll do a cardio session, Thursday cardio session, Friday, take Saturday off, long run Sunday. Yeah. So we're like constantly exercising. But it's like I wasn't doing that when I was in my relationship because I became, I started just doing what my partner was doing. Mm. And what she wanted to do isn't what I need to be happy with myself so now i've completely changed my lifestyle and i guess those pillars are a having good people around me the physical part of it um and then being disciplined with like my work and having something to focus on yeah like having something to drive Mm. towards and um something to get up for in the morning Mm. like i think a lot of people have you know dead-end jobs they're not happy with and Mm. they get up and they're like i just want to get my paycheck in Mm. and get out I i feel like that's a key thing in life is like find your find something at least closely related to what you think you might like and try get a job in that yeah and i think a lot of people never act on that and that's why they they're always constantly not happy with what they're doing so yeah that's a big one like have something you want to wake up for every day and for me that's my business and growing that and i've always wanted to to have my own business and hire people and work with people and and that's what i'm doing now And, and you know i'm sort of in the early stages of that but you know, I have, I've got my office down there now and I've got a few people in and yeah. I'm fucking proud of myself. Yeah, yeah. Like I get up and I'm like, dude, like you've, you've got four employees and you're excited you to get out of bed in the yeah, morning. Yeah. I'm like, I've got to go look after yeah. these people. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I've got to go achieve things yeah. and, and make sure deadlines are hit and that. And that's yeah. what, and that keeps you on track. And then it also keeps you away from the bad stuff. Like oh, 100%. going partying and, and doing that stuff too much. You know, I think that still needs to be in your life. That fun element. Yeah. Um, and if that's what you like doing, you like going partying, then it's got to be that healthy balance, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think I'll always have that in my life. Oh yeah. But it's now how I deal with it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, uh, I'm using all those other elements to keep me on the direction I need to, to be, to be proud of myself. And then every now and then I'll allow myself to go out for drinks. Celebrate the little wins. Yeah. And blow out a little bit and and not judge myself for it. Yeah. Yeah. Not be so hard on yourself. Exactly. So, so those insecurities that we talked about at the start, are they still, are they still around? Uh, And if so, do you just know how to manage them better? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So I think that people look at mental health in the, in the wrong way sometimes. I think that they think it's something that can be cured Mm. and I don't think that it can. And I think mental health is such a broad term as well. Like there's so many, I think it's every individual's got technically a different mental health disorder. You know what I mean? Like no one's feeling the same as you. No one's thinking of things the same as you. No one's processing things like you. What you do won't work for someone else. It's about like 
finding what does work for you and then sticking to that and being regimented with it. You have to have discipline. Mm. If you, if you struggle with anxiety and depression, you have to have discipline in my opinion, because if you don't, you stop doing the things that keep you keep that your brain in that, that train of thought it needs to be in for you to be happy and and functional. Um, And once you slide out of those routines, and that's what happens. So yeah. if I have a weekend where I have like a blowout or whatever, or, or if I'm just feeling not good, I just go straight back. I love Mondays. Mm. I'm just like straight back into Monday. Yeah. We're going to the gym. Yeah. We're doing this. And it's, it's literally, you stop thinking about it. Yeah. Once you do it, it's just normal. It's just it's part like, of life. It's like a reset straight away, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. you just reset like, and, and you're, you're back into yeah. it and you you feel like you're achieving. Yeah. And I think that's all it is. Like, yeah. Just do anything, even if it's small. Go for a walk on the beach. Mm. That'll reset you and then make sure you've got like your routine and that sort of... Yeah, your non-negotiables that you've got. Yeah, because yeah. if you stop doing that, and to, to your point, if you stop doing that, that's when you fall off the rails again because mm. you don't have that the things that bring you back to centre. Mm. And that could be playing chess. Yeah, it could be That anything, could be calling yeah. your mum. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's exercise, but for me it is, mm. and that's how I deal with it. So yeah. what, we've, what we've touched on today is how important it is talking about our mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever it is, mm. how important it is to, to find someone. You, you were lucky enough that you've got your mum yeah. who's been your rock, really. Yeah, absolutely. And how important it is to talk to people about it, whether mm. it's seeing, seeing someone or um, finding a family member to talk to. It's, it's, it's crucial into... Um, taking those steps into bettering yourself yeah isn't it? Sure. Yeah, yeah definitely i think it's a i think for me because i'm such an open person i'll just talk to anyone about it like i'll go out on a night and just grab like bill and just be like wait bill how you feeling mate like i think that's why i have so yeah. many friends because yeah. i always ask them how they are yeah and i think so many of us just talk about yeah um hey mate how are you? oh yeah good yeah just just working and walking the dog you know same old same old and you're like sick like tell us a little bit about how you're feeling you know and i always prod around people i'm like how do you feel like are you happy like what are you and i think that's why i have like good connections with my friends but i guess that's what that's what you need where you need to start like your Mm. friends are your comfort zone Mm. so at least you don't have to tell them everything but Mm. you're allowed to have conversations with your mates and i think that's an easier transition yeah. for guys than going straight to a psychologist. Yeah. Like trying to get some of our mates to go to a psychologist is like drawing blood from a rock, yeah. you know, like you're just yeah. not going to do it. Yeah. So it's, I think that that's important. And, and knowing that you have those close friends you can trust, mm. that's where I would start for sure. And, and I think I, I do that and I lean on my friends a lot for that. Yeah. And, and I apologize for it a lot. <laughs> the, but that's yeah. what we love about you is that you you cut out the small talk there's yeah. no small talk with you exactly yeah i love it mm. um doesn't matter what time of day it is there's zero small talk yeah it's not you know how's your job or whatever it's always how you feeling yeah what's going on in your life exactly yeah you know and that's what i love that mm. I, I, as i've gotten older i hate small talk yes yeah, i went to i went to a gathering and there was a few people there mm. and the most i got out of some people were job girlfriend yeah that was it it's the same combo house, eh? job girlfriend house yeah exactly. i was just like give me give me something else <laughs> yeah and you're working hard for it you're, yeah. you're working too hard for it and like we're all friends here it's like yeah exactly give me something yeah that's the thing hey i think yeah. it's like just asking them a few different questions yeah. and, 
And sometimes if you notice things about your friends, like they're not a bit off or whatever, mm. just start like poking around. Yeah, yeah. Because like they're, they're probably just going to go, all right, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they'll just start like saying stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so like sometimes maybe it's not even on the person who's feeling yeah. terrible. It's on their friends to be there for them too. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Silver linings out of this, out of your journey. Mm. We talked about the lessons that you've learned through this process. Mm. What are they? Yeah, so I think, um, I think I'm still learning. I think I'm just going to keep learning forever. Like I don't think there's any answers to anything, mm. but I think that being more aware has been the biggest thing. So a being more aware of like what I like and what is healthy for me, and then like I actually went and wrote that down. I was like, these are the things that make me feel sad. These are the things that make me feel good. Stick to this lane as much as possible, and then double in that one every now and then but stay in this one so but when you're in situations i feel like we just go through life without being aware of our situation like why am i standing in this room right now doing this is it just because my mate said to do it Mm. it does this align with what i'm about what am i about and so now what i've started to do is like go inside myself and go be like introspective and go what are you about who are you and i feel like i've had to reinvent myself over the last six months since my breakup because I lost myself. I became the relationship, Mm. you know, I became her boyfriend. I became whatever we were together and I lost myself. So I've now I've gone back and looked at myself and gone, okay, this is what I align with. How do I maintain that? And then now I'm going to put myself in situations that align with what I'm about. And once you start aligning with things you're about, you're happy. Mm. That's what I've learned. Perfect. Mm. Um, two questions. Yep. Deepest fear. Do you have one? Yes. I've got one if you want me to share mine. Yeah, I'd love to hear yours. Mine, my deepest fear is regret. So my mm. fear is, is getting to 50 and mm. not doing the things that I wanted to do while I was 30 or yep. 20. Mm-hmm. And that, that's killing me. Yeah. So one of the things is doing this podcast. Yep. One of the other things is learning, <laughs> is learning piano. Yeah. Sick. And, and I, would love to learn the piano. Yep. In 20 years when I'm 50, 20 years of playing the piano, you'd, you'd hope to be not too bad. Yeah. I, I, that's a skill that I've, that I've been in love with for ages. Yeah. And Sick. I wish love I could that. go back and not play footy. Yeah. And just learn the piano. Nah, you were too good at footy, mate. You'd be wasted <laughs> I was, talent. I was fishing there. Yeah. <laughs> you caught me. Yeah. You caught me. Yeah. So what was yours? Um, I think that mine has always been not reaching my potential mm. or what I think my potential is and not uh, like holding myself back from being the person that I want to be. And I think that there's always going to be an element of that, but I think that aligning myself with my values will hopefully start to get me closer to where I want to be. Yeah. Like I've always considered myself as being pretty smart, pretty confident, at least to other people. Um, and like, I want to be able to fully be the person that I see myself as, because I think that I have confidence issues being that guy, because I feel like maybe I can't pull it off or Mm. I make excuses for that, but I've always wanted to be successful with my business and, you know, um, have a good friendship circle around me, which I think I do now. And I'm ticking a lot of the boxes, Mm. but I, I just, I think that I would hate to be at my, you know, on my deathbed and not be happy with, with myself yeah. and not know that I've sort of given it a, a good crack yeah. at, at finding inner happiness yeah. 
within myself. And you're not going to be happy all the time. Yeah. But you, you'll know when you reach that point, you'll be like, you know, I'm happy with what I've done. Yeah. And I'm scared that I'll hold myself back from, from being happy. That's yeah. the hardest, that's the biggest fear mm. I have in life because my mental problems hold me back from being happy. I self-sabotage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I want to get out of my own way yeah. and just get to that guy once yeah. I... When I shake his hand, that's when I'll, I'll know. That's what so. it is. It's almost getting out of your own way. It is, Sometimes yeah. you're holding yourself back and you just got to let go. Mm. The wind's at your back. Yeah, just for sure. Just let go and it will, it will be fine. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I think that that's probably the biggest one for me. Um, the last time you cried, I know you, you've touched on you're pretty emotional. Yeah, yeah. I do. I cry a fair bit. Yeah. I mostly cry during movies, which yeah. is weird because my dad does too. Like we'll watch like that, like... You know that dog, that dog movie where the dog dies and everyone cries? Marley and yeah, me or yeah, some yeah. shit? Man, that, that one gets me. So but. Mine too. Uh, P.S. I love you. <clears throat> yeah. In the notebook. Oh, oh that, I can't do it. Yeah. That, oh, that's the one with uh, where he writes the notes after he dies. Yeah. Uh, and then she, what the hell? Who she thinks of that? He plans all this stuff out for her. That's insane yeah. movie. They're just yeah. trying to make everyone cry with yeah, that I one. Yeah, I can't. I've done it. I've cried. I can't watch him again. Jordan puts him on. Yeah. And then I'm sitting down watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think um, I think I cried a lot during my breakup last six mm. months. Like I was just driving around the car, just crying, just bawling my eyes out. Yeah, with the music like real loud. Yeah, it helped mm. for sure. I, I don't cry that often. I cry for stupid stuff like movies. Yeah, like not real stuff. Mm. But if it's real life, I just don't. You can't get a tear out of me. But this last six months has been pretty emotional for me. So yeah, it's great. You know, I was going down to the beach and just reading a book, and then just bawling my eyes out. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a bit of so, grieving, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. It's yeah, it's sort of like saying goodbye to someone, and, yeah. and then trying to process: Did you do the right thing? Did you not do the right yeah, thing? Yeah. And sort of being sad about yeah. decisions you've made, but also knowing that you've had to make them, and yeah. all those realizations. It's just yeah. a ball of emotion. Yeah. You kind of got to let it out. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and you know, I was writing big messages to mum about it while I was crying, and that like. You know, it's nothing like I think it's just so healthy. We have the tear ducts for a reason. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Get it out. Yeah, you need to. Yeah. Um, I like to, I haven't told you this. Yeah. But I've got a little closing tradition. Okay. And I don't actually ask the last question. Okay. I get a, a loved one, whether it be a, a friend or a family member. Oh, that's and cool. the whole premise of it is to ask a question or to say something that mm-hmm. they never have before. Okay. So the first up, we've got uh, your sister Inga. Oh, no way. This yeah. is sick. So, your so sister cool. uh, wanted to ask you something, and I okay. love this question. Mm-hmm. What do you love about yourself? Oh. And I'll let, let you have a think, because I love this question, because so often that we self-criticize, say that I'm not good enough, I'm not fit enough, I yep. can't do this. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for us to say that about ourselves, yeah. but we don't often enough say what we love about each other mm. or about ourselves. Yeah, oh, that's a hard one. Mm. I think that I'm so uh, I'm always be- beating myself up a lot. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's a hard one to say. It's easy to say about everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing I like about myself is how empathetic I am towards people around me and how I can feel what they feel. Um, and I find it funny that I can't feel that for myself sometimes. Mm. But I like that I am able to put myself in someone else's shoes yeah. and then have a conversation with them about it and help them. Yeah. Um, so I think that 
that's cool and not help them sometimes it's just like having a laugh like you know yeah. i just crack stupid yeah. jokes yeah, yeah and then we just laugh like yeah. people need that and, and I that think is that, helping that is that does help yeah. yeah so i think it's just my awareness of of reading the room and yeah. feeling people's yeah. emotions and then being able to to re- react in a way that that yeah. sort of positive gives yeah. them a little nudge so yeah so yeah probably yeah. just my level of empathy towards others we've got one more mm-hmm. this is from your mum. oh no i read this <laughs> get the tissues out eh? I, I, re- I read this and uh it was it really hit home to me yeah um she actually sent in a poem oh no yeah <laughs> just you're gonna read it to me i'm gonna read the poem to you okay and okay. do i have to say anything you don't have to that? say anything okay. um but she wrote not mom anyone but mom she wrote this to you she said as an english teacher i often find inspiration in poetry and literature the sheer weight and relentlessness of mental health can be overpowering, but this poem really brings home the message that pain and adversity makes us stronger. You don't have to look at me if you don't want to look at me. <laughs> but she wrote in a poem, and it's, and it's titled uh, Good Timber. Did mum write this? Uh, I'm not too sure if your mum wrote this or not. Okay. But she's a legend if she did. Okay. I'll um, ask her after it, this. It, this got a bit emotional when I was reading it to myself. Okay. Good Timber. The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light, but stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain. Never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to gain and farm his patch of soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air. Never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger the wind, the stronger the trees. The further the sky, the greater the length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snow, in trees and men, good timbers grow. Where the thickest lies the forest growth, we find our patriarchs of both. And they hold counsel with the stars, whose broken branches show the scars of many winds and much of strife. This is the common law of life. That's awesome. Yeah. It struck a nerve with me. Mm. Um. What do you take away from that? All the stuff that I thought was wrong about me, all the things that <laughs> I wish didn't happen to me, mm-hmm. all the things that I did to myself, um, was just a lesson. And I, I used to hate, I used to hate the, some of the things that I did to myself, or the things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And now I know that it was just a lesson that I need to learn, and I'm. I'm grateful for all that now because mm-hmm. it's, it's built the person I am today and I'm so proud of the person I am today. Yeah, awesome. And I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't go through all that hardship mm-hmm. and I've learnt so much of it. Good timber. It's good timber. Yeah. So that really struck a chord with me because it put into words sort of my journey mm-hmm. and how proud I am of myself for the things that I've gone through. And, yeah. Um, That's awesome. And then I got myself out of it. Like... People can help you. Mm-hmm. You can talk to people. People can help you. But if you're not willing to change, mm-hmm. you won't change. Agreed. And I'm super proud of myself that I I put in the work, the hard work, mm-hmm. and to get myself out of some situations. Yep. And I'm on such a good track in life and everything. So yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Like you have to find the strength to pull yourself out of things. Because mm. at the end of the day, you're all you've got. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a good 
um, sort of analogy for mm. things that happen in your life. And once you start looking at life as uh, – stop looking at it as like things are happening to me and things are happening for me, mm. then it changes your mindset on things because then you can go, okay, I just went through a really traumatic thing, but what come out of it? You know, how can I now use it to, to better myself? Yeah, 100%. Because bad stuff's going to happen all yeah. the time. So it's yeah. like that's – just a, a great way to um to put it. sort of summarize yeah. that yeah. yeah and um yeah it's cool and like mum mum always tells me she's like I'm proud of you because you've always been you yeah you've never been anybody else you haven't changed for anybody else you've always been the same mm. since you're a little kid till now mm. and she's like that's rare that's good timber because you just you're never you're not changing for anybody else you you're just staying on course you're just that that stump in the middle of the desert you know yeah like i love that so it's yeah it's really cool uh you know it's, it's cool to see like i told you her empathy levels are just yeah. through the roof yeah. like she, she just knows like, what's the right thing to say exactly always so yeah. and she just cause i wasn't she's expecting so, her to rock, put that in too yeah and she's like you're a legend yeah and i think that mum, you know she sends me things like that a lot and, and that helped me too i didn't mm. think it was going to help that was for you but i read that going yeah fuck that's great yeah, no, it's really good. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Right. That was awesome. Thanks for coming on today, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks, Al. It wasn't so bad, was it? No, it was no, great. It was great. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> you just want to keep going. Yeah, we should just do this again, <laughs> man. I, fucking, I love it. little therapy session yeah. for the boys, eh? Thanks, yeah. mate. Awesome. Cheers, Al.